We are learning how God's handbook for skillful living, the ancient book of Proverbs, still has the information we need to overcome the seduction of lust. Our study leader, Dave Wurtson, has been taking us into Proverbs chapter 2, 5, 6, and 7, and it has been incredible to see how straightforward the biblical text is about sex. Now let's join Dave for the conclusion of the study he has titled, The Adulteress. Immorality is not love. It is hunting. And that's why the Old Testament uses all the terminology of hunting. Because this woman is not a lover. And a man that will do this is not a lover. You're going to find that out. And I could have one adult after another stand up. And they could tell you what he's saying is right. I thought it was love. Man, I thought I was never more in love in my whole life. And then they knifed me. I mean, I never got slashed so bad in my whole life. Man, my emotions got just torn to smithereens. I found hate like I wouldn't believe. This woman's a huntress. And she comes out. It says, then out came the woman to meet him. She knows the young man will be there. And she's dressed like a prostitute with a crafty an intent. We talked about that last week. In the ancient world, the prostitutes would be unveiled. It was very easy to know which the prostitutes were and which were not. In our society, it's much more cunning. Although if you drive down certain places in Dallas, I think you'll get the hint really fast. If you drive down by the lakefront where I was raised in New York City, along by the docks, you can find the person just like that. Only this woman really isn't that common street woman. But I believe that bringing up in the modern society, this woman is much more the kind of a woman that you'd meet at a singles bar, a real posh single bar up in North Dallas. This isn't just a common street woman. This woman is one of those real high-class jobs. And she is dressed to kill. And, man, she'll give you one of the biggest times as you start to party with her, as you start to dance with her. She'll make you feel like you've never felt before. She's also not shy. It says now in the street, now in the square, that every corner she lurks, she's like a pantheress. You see, those are the terminology that's used here. She's lurking. She's like a cat. And by the way, that's another image that you'll often see in the ads. That idea of a cat and pouncing on it. There's something really exciting about being hunted by a big panther, by the seductive, very very elusive kind of shadowy figure, this panther. Now in the street, now in the square, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and she kissed him with a brazen face. She said, this woman's not shy. You know, she takes this young, naive guy. He might not have ever been kissed before in his life. And man, she just grabs a hold of him and just lays one right on him. Man, he feels like Josh McDowell says he just got hit with a wet popsicle, a cold, wet popsicle. It started right here at the base of his neck, went all the way down, down his spine. Some of you all, y'all, some of you all are laughing. You remember the first time you got kissed or you kissed? This woman knows how to use those tremendous physical pulls. And every young couple is going to live pure. You need to decide about some standards that you're going to follow physically. And like I've shared with you, the physical is going to be a very, very beautiful thing. But God wants you to control those things until it's the right time. Not this woman. She's dressed to kill, and she just lays one right on her. Her personality is loud and defiant, and she's very straightforward. She says, forget about all the bars, forget about all the regulations, just do it now. 
Now, what's her proposition? Look at verse 13 and following. She said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I have fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till the morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband's not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home to the full moon. Now, those look like innocent words. How many of you have ever read those words before? Most of you young people, most of you adults read those words, and you just go gliding right over them, and it's just one of those areas that Satan just likes you just to pass on it. Oh, there's nothing really that profound there. The Father just told you the dominant way that every one of you, if you get involved in immorality, will get involved in immorality. First of all, it's a special time. This is a time for exclusions. This is a time where the normal standards don't apply. She says in verse 14, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I have fulfilled my vows. This girl is a good religious girl. She probably goes to church every Sunday. She sings the choruses with great gusto. This woman is a religious girl. Don't think that because a girl is religious or that a fellow is religious that everything is going to be fine. Some of you have already had a bad experience with that. But this woman is saying, listen, it is a special holiday. In the ancient world, when you paid your special vows, it was a time of religious celebration, of special rejoicing. It is prom night. So you get the idea. It is the night when your lover is going to go away for a long trip. Maybe they're going to join the military. Maybe they're going to get a job in L.A. It is the night, girls and fellas, that's special, that's distinct from all the others. It is being at Mardi Gras in New Orleans. It's a big celebration time. It's a big holiday time. It's carnival in Rio. I think you all know what I'm talking about. And that's one of the first steps that the woman will use or a fellow will use to get you to lower your standards. It is a special time. Ordinarily, you wouldn't do anything like this, but this is a special time. Dave Lowry and I were in a seminary class about our junior year at Dallas Seminary. We were studying Ephesians chapter 4 that talks about purity of life. And we were going through a normal kind of dry run through a seminary classroom analyzing all the Greek and all the terminology, the grammar, and suddenly one of our classmates stood up and a special moment started to happen in our classroom as this great big hulk of a seminary guy in his junior year just started crying and heaving in tears. And man, we didn't know what was coming off. I mean, this guy just stands up. He said, you know, as I've been reading through this material, I just feel a tremendous need for y'all to pray. He says, when I was about 15 years old, I went down to Mexico City, and it was carnival time. It was the time of celebration. And it was the time of exclusions, and I got involved with a beautiful knockout young girl during the carnival, and I had relations with her. And the tragedy is that I got a venereal disease. And the thing, I just have to be honest with you guys, for the last eight months, my wife is eight months pregnant. And these last eight months have been agony for me. I've asked God to forgive me. I've asked God to protect my wife. I told my wife about this when I got married. 
and she graciously forgave me, but I am so concerned that my sin of getting involved in immorality during a holiday time will hurt my precious wife who was never involved in any of that kind of thing. And if we didn't do any more Greek and Hebrew, we just prayed. And we waited. We waited that other month. And what a joy it was in seminary for our just our little class because those things obviously need to be kept you know, very confidential within that group of trusted friends. And we all just rejoiced when that little baby was born and it was a beautiful, pure, healthy baby because God is kind. But if my friend were here today, he would say, young people and adults, don't believe the lie that it's a holiday time. It is a special time. You know the tragedy of that seminary student? He graduated with Dave and I. He went out into a flourishing ministry. He hadn't been out in the ministry two or three years. Then Dave and I heard that he'd fallen into immorality again. And that's why I'm talking with you today, because it's a tough one. It's an octopus that holds onto you tightly. And that's why it's much better. I want you to realize it's much better not to get involved. Don't let that octopus grab you. Don't believe the lie that it's a special holiday. The second thing the woman will do to you, both fellows and girls, she'll appeal to your pride. The way to a man's heart is not through his stomach, but it is through his pride. Girls, do you know why guys primarily play football? If you girls want to know how to destroy football in the United States... Have the guys play to an empty stadium and have no cheerleaders, no girls at all that can come to the games. I'm just being a little bit facetious, but a lot of it's true. I mean, I remember calling plays in the huddle at quarterback. I would tell our end to break down the field and go out of bounds at the yard line where his girlfriend was cheerleading the sidelines. And I'd hit him on a nail 45 yards down the field with a spiral right on that spot. And he go cascading out of bounds like in the story that I told you. Guys play football. They go through all that agony because of their pride. The funny thing about that is most of you girls could care less about this sweating hulk of a guy who's going through all this pounding. You're really not into that at all, but he thinks you are. Just watch guys the way that they play. The intensity level go up when some of the girls come alongside. It's crazy. you know. But the way to a man's heart is through his pride. You see, every one of you guys were little guys once. And as you began to grow up, the girls got a big growth spurt on you. And there was a time in your life where the girls were about a foot taller than you. They were much more mature than you. They thought you were a real jerk. You know, they were, you were 11 and they were 13 and they were 5 feet 8 already and looked like they were 21 and you still looked like you were about 7. Now, that does something to a man. It builds this idea. It builds this idea. No matter how the man might change, he might grow to be six foot four and look like Robert Redford and and the girls might be swooning over him. But deep in his heart, almost every one of the guys, they're honest. Deep in your heart, there's a part of you that says, I'm not really that attractive. Nobody would really want me. You see, every one of you have got a weak, Self-image. In fact, some of you that are the most boisterous about it, some of the guys that are so macho, because this is the idea, especially in a Latin culture, but it's an American culture as well. You've got to be so macho. The more macho you are, 
I'll guarantee you, the more you really haven't come to rest about your sexuality. You're still trying. You're not at ease. You're not really a strong man. You're a weak man. You have a lot of doubts about yourself. And girls, watch out for the whipped puppy. Because a whole lot of you girls in this room want a mother. You want a mother, this guy with a low self-image. And some of you sweet, sweet Christian girls think you can save this, this dastardly devil of a guy who has such a sweetheart underneath. Baloney. He's conning you. He's conning you. You don't marry a guy that you want to mother. You marry a guy that you want to respect. And fellas, watch out for the girls that come on to you. I came to meet you. I look for you and I have found you. And I can just see this young, naive guy going, who, me? you got to be kidding. And his voice cracks, you know, while he does it. Watch out. She'll appeal to your pride. The third thing is that she's going to appeal to passionate pleasure. She just lays it right out. She says, listen, I have covered my bed with satin sheets. Cloth linen from Egypt was like the equivalent in our society of beautiful satin sheets. She's dumped cologne number 26 all over this bed. I mean, she's just going for the juggler. You can smell it. You can feel it. I mean, she's got beautiful romantic music playing. Man, inside this woman's room, it looks like hotel. That's what she's saying. And then she directly propositions him. It's a time for satin sheets and obsession. And she propositions him. She says, listen, we're going to drink deeply of love. There's an amazing thing about immorality. It always confuses love with lust. You never make love before you get married. You always make lust. I want to say that again because see, you don't buy that. I know you don't buy that. But it's true. You make lust before you get married. Your passions get out of control. You can't handle it. You lose self-control. You forget thinking about the other person. You begin to think about yourself. You are not thinking about devotion faithfulness, if you would do it with somebody before you got married, what makes you think that walking this aisle of the church and having me say the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you're now one, what makes you think that's going to change your basic morality? And it doesn't. It doesn't. You've got to learn control now. You're either a moral person now by the grace of God or you're an immoral person. You've got to be honest. And if you're an immoral person, there can be forgiveness. There can be grace. But you need to be honest with the Lord. Stop playing games. And I want all of you to share. A lot of you have a great big category. Some of you think I can go off into business when I'm single. I can go to a career. I can go to this university, this university, this university, and sleep around. And everyone else is doing it. It's all great fun. It's fun for a time. And you'll drink deeply of lust until the morning. But then you'll wake up and find out that you just swallowed a very bitter pill because you're not pure anymore. You're not faithful anymore. You don't tell the truth anymore. You're a liar. And until you break from that, until you just really weep over that in a personal confrontation with God, it's going to dominate you. It's going to control you. This woman says, hey, come on, we're going to make love all night. And then she says the fatal words, we will never get caught. How many of you have ever heard that little phrase before? We will never get caught. 
When I was studying this in the book of Proverbs and at seminary and doctoral studies, Bruce Walkie, my doctoral professor, said this. He said, I knew a businessman in Dallas who believed he would never get caught. He flew to L.A. He was eating at a, at a, at a meal. A girl came by, flipped a card on his table. A lot of you businessmen have had that happen. He went up to his hotel room and he said, I've seen it on TV. I've seen it in the movies. Just one night. Man, one night's not going to do anything. I mean, I'll never, never get caught. Everything's going to be all right. So he dialed a number, waited about 15 minutes. He could hear the high heels coming down through the soft carpet, heard a knock on his door. And he opened the door, and his own 20-year-old daughter was standing at the door. At a big Southern California university, she realized she could make five, 600 a trick. It was a great way to make extra money through school, which some college girls do. And the last time I knew, Dr. Walkie told me that daughter was blackmailing her own father so that she would not tell mom. Now, obviously, what ought to be done is they ought to all come clean. One time I used that illustration and someone said, well, why don't they just come clean about it? But what that story illustrates is exactly what the book of Proverbs is saying. I didn't make up that story. That actually happened to a businessman. And, you know, I found that a lot of times real life is stranger than fiction. I believe strongly in keeping confidences. But Mary's often, when when finances get bad, Mary says, listen, Dave, why don't you just write a really sharp novel? Just use, you know, some things, you know, that you've had in the experience of the ministry up at Word of Life and around the country. The thing that just tears my heart out is I can't get you to believe that you're going to get caught. It doesn't work out. The consequence of immorality is that you'll lose your health, your wealth, and your reputation. Murderous jealousy. Proverbs 6, 26-35 talks about a husband's murderous jealousy. You see, if you get involved with a woman that doesn't belong to you and she happens to be married to somebody else, you want to talk about somebody getting mad? I just want to end by showing you just how concrete and realistic Proverbs is. Now, I know some of you sit there and you get involved in this kind of activity and you go, boy, that's a bunch of baloney. I want you to know in real life, I have sat at one o'clock in the morning with a drunken husband trying to keep him taking a loaded shotgun and blowing his wife's illicit lover away. Not TV, not some movie that you saw, real life. Had Wally McWhorter with me for protection. And we argued and pled and prayed because when a husband's wife is immoral, you get angry. Now, every person that's lived a little bit longer knows that that's true. You go monkeying around with somebody else's partner, there's a good chance you get blown away. It happens. A lot of, you get any policeman up here and have the policeman say, what's the worst call you can go on? A family disturbance call where there's immorality involved and somebody's really hot. Proverbs talks about that. The second thing, there's fatal sexual diseases that we talk about. It says, my, my flesh and my body will be consumed. Proverbs says you'll lose your health, your wealth, and your reputation. You know, I thought maybe our society had gone beyond that, but we haven't, and we never will. I want every one of you to realize the world will play a vicious game. I mean, politicians have done it for years. You could sleep around. You could be immoral. Nothing will happen. It's just the rules of the game. Everything will be fine. 
I mean, how many times have you heard people saying, oh, we can have a president like that. We all do it. Everyone does it. Who cares? It's no big deal. Come on, let's all indulge. No, your whole political career down the drain, just like that. I'm saying that Proverbs taught that a thousand years before Christ came into the world that said, don't go to bed with an immoral woman that doesn't belong to you. Because it'll take away your reputation in the community. It will destroy your health. I want to close with this. Some of you are sitting there going, say, well, man alive, I've already been deeply involved in that. Is there no hope? Yes, there is hope. You can become a brand new person. And at the bottom of the page, I've got a cure for immorality. I'd encourage you to take those verses. If you need help, I really want to communicate this. If you walk into my office and you want to talk, I am not going to even do what I do Sunday morning like this. I want you to know, if you're struggling with this problem of immorality, fellas, if you're agonizing over your thought life and you're not cutting it with pornography, you're not cutting it with the movies you watch, you're really slipping down the slide, please come and let's talk. I promise you I'm not going to sell you down the river. I'm not going to expose you. And I'm not going to get angry with you. I want to help you. And I want you to know there's hope. There's deliverance. Christ really is the answer. But it's not some snake oil. It's not some magic formula. It has to do with being honest and being truly personal in your relationship with God. And one of the first big steps is coming out and sharing openly and honestly with a more mature believer who can help you and can teach you from the Word of God how to rise up above this. Don't con me. And I say that because I love you. You're not doing anything pretending that everything is fine when it's not. And I'm not either. We've got to be honest. And Proverbs has told us the truth. And I want you to remember it when you go out there. I want you to remember the plain, simple, concrete, common sense that Proverbs shared. And don't believe the lies, the drunken party, the orgy, the high on drugs, sleeping with another woman that doesn't belong to you, close friends of you, close friends where you're attracted to somebody else. It can happen in any group of people. Satan's powerfully at work. But Jesus can prevent it. would ask you, Father, that the very directive, clear truth that Proverbs teaches us about immorality would be used as kind of an inoculation. Some of our young people and adults have lived very pure lives. And we thank God for that. And we would pray that you would use today just to be a reaffirmation of that skillful life of moral purity. Some of our other family didn't come to know you until much later in life. And, Father, I would pray that you would help them to recognize that because of the blood of Calvary and the forgiveness that Jesus gives, that they have become pure and moral again through his gift of grace. And they do not have to carry along a burden of guilt from their past life. They have become a new creation in Christ. I think, Father, most of all, I would pray for some who can be hearing all the words and know all the right answers, but they're really not committed to it deep in their heart. And I just ask you that the reality of the person of Jesus and the skillful counsel that he gives about sexuality 
would grab a hold of their hearts. I ask you, Father, that you would help us to have sincere integrity, that we would be godly into the very depths of our being through the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we pray that you would take the warning that the wise, skillful father in Proverbs has given us against the wiles of the seductress to use it this week to protect us from those influences that would hurt us, that would destroy us, that would mar our lives. I pray that you would use these truths that we've shared to really help in the tremendous challenge we have against venereal disease, especially in the form of AIDS. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.